be seated. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you to our praise band. I think it is appropriate to applaud how the Lord has used them today. Thank you so much. Great spirit in this place, and we recognize every time we come together, Holy Spirit is present here with us. Would you find in your Bibles the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel? We're in 1 Samuel chapter 3, going to be reading verses 1 through 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3, you want to keep your, uh, keep your Bibles open, be looking at some of those verses or smartphones or whatever it is. Hey, I hear paper rattling. I always like to hear paper rattling rather than just the phones coming out, but uh, we'll take either. But love for you to be able to look on with us and uh, we'll be looking at uh, some verses around 1 Samuel 3, kind of help us to understand the text as well. I'm glad you're here today. Appreciate you coming and being part of our time together. Always look forward, of course, to being in worship. No other place I'd rather be uh, at this time and this place than with you all here at Parkway Baptist Church. And I'm glad to see you. Good to see guests. I always have guests here with us and glad to see you today, certainly as well. We're continuing our series, actually just the inaugural part of this series about uh, he, he's still king, let him reign. We want to watch him. We know that he's at work. We know that he reigns over every nation, all of the universe. We want to let him reign in our hearts and our lives, and we're learning ways in which we might be able to do that uh, in First Samuel and be talking about learning about Samuel, first king of Israel, King Saul. We'll be looking at David here in the days to come, and I hope you'll just plan to want to be a part of that. Bring others. It's a good time maybe to invite others. We uh, want you to have, we want to have a place to where you know that you can bring others and want to bring others and others be able to experience what you're experiencing. First Samuel chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 to begin with. This now is the Word of God. First Samuel 3 verse 1 says this, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the Word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. Uh, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know, did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time he rose, went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant here. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Notice verse 10. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was pastoring a church to where we had almost every Sunday night, we had open mic night. We didn't really call it that, but it was such that uh, people could come and had the freedom to maybe, if they had a praise they wanted to share, maybe a song they wanted to sing or verses or anything that they'd like to share, they certainly could. And uh, one of our senior adult men stood up one Sunday night, and I say that because it's senior adult day. We don't have any 90-year-olds in the, this service. We did in the first service. But, uh, uh, but one of our senior adults whom I dearly loved he stood up, he said, you know, we don't say the Lord's Prayer often in our church. And I think we should say the Lord's Prayer in our church. And 
So he said, let's say it now. And so he bowed his head. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And uh, nobody said anything with him. So he looked around. And he, he said, no, I meant for all of us to say it together. Come on, let's say it. He bowed his head again. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he stopped again, looked around. No, you know this. You know these words. Let's say it together. Third time, Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He looked over at his wife, a little perplexed. She looked over at him and said, why don't you just sit down and hush up? Well, I've shared that many times over the years, and I've noticed that the more I've shared that, that's not funny to you. And so if you don't know that the Lord's Prayer is our Father who art in heaven, and uh, the Lord is my shepherd shall not want us automatically, Psalm 23. But I feel like the more I've shared that, the less people know. So some of you got in on the joke now that you know that. And it's an introduction for us today because we want to be talking about knowing, hearing, and heeding God's Word. And as we talk about that, we, we're talking about in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, it becomes a shining light in a dark world. It was a dark time in history and a new beginning. So today, if you've come here today and you need a new beginning or maybe you need some light shined in your world, I want you to know that you've come to the right place. As we come to God's Word, as we know that we have a Savior that loves us and as there is good news found in Him... Now, there's, there's a great contrast taking place in the first few chapters of 1 Samuel, which I hope that you'll be able to see clearly as we move forward. Primarily, it is this distinction made between Eli, the high priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were also priests, and their ungodliness versus this young boy by the name of Samuel who's called by God and ready to serve. Like the Apostle Paul in the New Testament when he was on the road to Damascus, Samuel's conversion and calling happened at the same time. Now let's narrow the picture here just a little bit because in chapter 3 and verse 1 that we just read, that we read here just a moment ago, it helps us to understand a little bit of the spiritual condition of God's people when Samuel comes on the scene. Notice verse 1 there again, particularly to where it says, chapter 3 and verse 1 where it says, "...the word of the Lord was rare in those days." There was no frequent vision. This is a pretty good summary of how things were in those days. You, you probably need to read the book of Judges in order to get a fuller picture. In fact, last year we spent several weeks in the book of Judges in preparation for this series. Ungodliness, worship of idols, everyone doing what was right in his or her own eyes with just a handful of spiritual leaders that God used in glimmers of hope. With Samuel... God is raising up a spiritual leader who will change a nation and prompt a new beginning. So I want you to notice in the very now, the very last verse in 1 Samuel 3, we read 10 verses, 21 verses. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 21, particularly toward the end of that verse, it said, The Lord continued to appear to Samuel. Or excuse me, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. This chapter begins a, comes a significant season for God's people. In verse 1, we read just a moment ago, the Word of God His appearances are rare. 21 verses later, God is frequently visiting His people and the words of God and His presence is fairly common. Shiloh being the place of central worship for the Hebrew people, for the Jewish people, because Jerusalem didn't even belong to the Jewish people at that time. It wouldn't be till David came along and uh, conquered uh, Jerusalem and it became, of course, the capital. He moves the ark to Jerusalem. But don't you want to know? Don't you want to know how 
to go from not hearing from God hardly ever at all to a place where God is heard from frequently, to where God's presence is known. Well, how can we, and those of us who are living in the United States and in the world in which we live, how can it be that the Word of God is commonly known, the presence of God is evident? How can it be in this church that we can come and anticipate that we're, yes, we believe that we're going to hear a word from God and that we frequently experience Him Him more and more at work in the lives of the members of our church and the people in this community where the Lord has placed us? Wouldn't you like to know in your personal life and in your family life to be able to clearly recognize His call and know you're in the center of His plan and in His purpose? If you would like to know how that can happen, I think you have come to the right place. Now understand, not because of this preacher or this pulpit, but because you've come to the presence of the Lord Jesus, because we're coming to His Word and because He wants to reveal Himself today. And today's going to be about contrast and differences and being able to distinguish God's voice from all the other voices that are clamoring for your attention. Now if you're following along in your notes, you'll notice maybe some of these contrasts and They'll be on our jumbotron as well. But the first one is this, noise versus knowledge. Noise versus knowledge. Noise being the distractions which may be so loud that you have a hard time hearing God. Samuel lived in a day of distractions. Distractions all around him, particularly in God's people and even foremost in those who were to be the spiritual leaders of God, including Eli, and who was the high priest at that time, and his two sons, who were also serving as priests, Hophni and Phinehas, that we mentioned already before. Notice, if you've got your Bibles open, or I believe it'll also be on the screen, but chapter 2 and verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12, it says this. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They didn't know God. They did not know the Lord. Let's not mince words. <laughs> Is that clear enough to what the... Writer of 1 Samuel thought about the sons of Eli, and the Lord, of course, is the author of all of God's Word. Noise in their life kept them from knowing God. When the people brought their sacrifice to the tabernacle, one of the things that they would do is they would force the people to give them the better portions of the sacrifice, and they would give the leftovers to the sacrifice for God. They were literally priests who were getting fat off of God's people. And then... uh, We also have another disturbing verse in chapter 2 and verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 22. It says, Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. This kind of behavior in the world today, which seems to be more of the norm than the exception, will be a distraction to hearing from God. But you can be sure that the Lord's still speaking today. And the words of Jesus Christ are still being heard, but who can hear among all the distractions? Eli, their father, didn't seem to participate in the ungodliness was taking on. In fact, chapter 2, he even points out their evil and that they're doing and gives a bit of a reprimand, but apparently not enough. And sorry to keep you, well, no, I'm sorry to keep you in the Scripture, but we'll keep moving around. But 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13, notice what it says there. We read through verse 10. Verse 13, it says, it, uh, it says, And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever. Speaking about the message that was to be given to Eli. For the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. 
So here was Eli didn't didn't restrain his sons, but not only his father, but also because he was the high priest and he had responsibility for other priests. This is the definition of an enabler. Of course, they were not hearing from God. Hophni and Phinehas did not know God. Eli, if he had known God, he had wandered so far away from God, all he could hear was the noise. Now, parents, there are no guarantees that if you are hearing from God, you're following God, that your children will know and follow God. Even Samuel would need to make his own choice to follow God's call. But in Eli's case, he failed to show his sons how they could hear from God or to demonstrate how to follow God's voice. This week I had the guy come to inspect my Wi-Fi and Internet because it seemed to be getting slower. I think this might be a good illustration. I want you to help me to know if this is a good one or not. We'd already gotten a different and new modem and thought that that might be the problem. Then the guy comes and he comes and he, he tells me, he said, I've checked your equipment inside. It seems that you have uh, one of the best and state-of-the-art modems that you need. It looks like you have a great power source coming in. You ought to be getting great reception. I said, oh, all that sounds good. Then I turned on my smart TV and we watched it buffer from channel to channel or website to website. You know, buffers that little circle. In the, I had to explain it to him in the first service. You can explain it to me now. And he said, and he saw that. He said, well, and I said, it's getting, I've got a new modem and it's getting uh, worse, not better. He said, well, I'll go, I'll go check the box. And about 30 minutes later, he comes to me. He says, oh, I see that you do have a problem. You have some noise coming through and I thought I don't hear anything he said no he said no those are the distractions that interruption that's taking place it's you have noises interrupting your service now help me is that a good illustration because having Jesus the best the greatest of all time in the communication of God's love and plan from the Lord's perspective he has no problem being able to communicate to us in the ways that He has determined, He's communicated to us His love through creation, certainly through the written word, through Jesus Christ who came, lived amongst us, left the throne room of heaven, the the second person of the Trinity, and He died for us on the cross and rose again. He continues to communicate through the Holy Spirit, living in all believers, and He continues to be at work. And He wants to communicate to the world His love and His message through His church. So He has no problem in ways to communicate. But you and I may not be able to hear the Lord speak because of all the noise in the world or even in our own life that so easily distracts. Remember the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He may not have said it exactly the same way, but it's this kind of thing that he had in mind when he said, Let, not, let us throw off every sin or every weight that so easily hinders or entangles us and let us run the race that he set out before us with perseverance. So you've got, if you're following along in your notes, you notice there's some hindrances and helps there, maybe the help of hindrances to hearing God's Word and helps. And the first one is this. Well, we've talked about it. It's the noise. Anything that, would, that which would distract or keep you from hearing God. And it may not be necessarily out and right sin. It could be busyness in our lives. That could be a noise that keeps us. It could be doing the good stuff or the stuff that everybody does that's not necessarily bad, but it's not doing the best or not doing what God would have you to do. And while it might be easy to explain and maybe easy to say, it's not always easy to do, and that is to stay away from everything that does not point you toward Jesus. Stay away from everything that would easily distract. The help here, what helps us with the noise, it's focus. Focus so that you might know God. 
focus so that you might be knowing God better and be growing. So today, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's lots of distractions. There's lots of noise in this world that will keep you from being able to know God personally. But today, during this hour, during this time together, if you're listening today, you're in this room today, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, He'll help you to be able to have the focus so that you might be able to understand that God loves you and has a plan for your life, that you might be able to ask Jesus to forgive you for sins and ask Christ to come in. And we might be able to have the focus of believers so that we might be able to know Him better and might be able to grow as well. Another contrast that we see in this chapter with other chapters around the ways of God versus the ways of the world. Ways of God versus the ways of the world. We're on a lifetime pursuit to make this distinction. That is that we're seeking to pursue the things of God and not pursue the things of the world. Let's make sure we understand the motivation of why we would seek the things of God. God's not waiting for you to pursue Him in all His ways in order to save you. In fact, He's already in pursuit of you. You must recognize your need for God, repent of your wicked ways, turn your life over to Him, and ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord. Then the Lord begins the process that we call sanctification. That is becoming more and more like Jesus and becoming less and less like the world. It's futile to try to do this on your own because transformation by yourself cannot happen or it cannot last. It only comes about under His power and His work in your life. That's why it's so imperative that you're able to be in a place that you're able to hear from God. Here, Samuel, he's a young boy whose mother dedicates him to the Lord, leaves him in Shiloh there at the tabernacle. Though sometimes in these verses it's also called the temple, but the permanent temple has not been built in Jerusalem. There were some permanent doors probably by this time. But he's there to serve the Lord. So when chapter 3 opens, we find Samuel, he's serving or he's ministering in the tabernacle there that's taking place. In what ways? We do, don't know. We can surmise that he kept the light burning at night for the lampstand, trimmed the wicks and all of those things. Probably, as we'll see here in this chapter, he opened and closed the door so people could bring their sacrifices and other things. Eli is in his bedchamber asleep. Samuel, sleeping, maybe like he usually does, near the lampstand. There, perhaps near the curtain that leads to where the Ark of the Covenant is. That phrase in verse 3 to where it says, The lamp had not yet gone out. Well, they would like that golden lamp stem at dusk and it would stay lit until the morning, until daylight. And so what's taking place here that we read is this takes place in the wee hours of the morning. So then and there, the voice was heard. The voice of the Lord was heard where it had not been heard in a long time or it would be on a rare occasion. Samuel! The Lord calls. Samuel jumps up, runs to Eli. Here I am, he says. You called. Not question mark, but he says, you called. I heard you. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Goes back to bed. Second time, the Lord calls Samuel. And he ran to Eli thinking, again, it was Eli who called. After all, the only voice of authority that he knew at that time was the voice of Eli. Now, Notice Samuel's willingness. Notice his servant's heart. However, verse 7 tells us, we read it a moment ago. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
Now contrast that with the sons of Eli who did not know God, though they had access to God. Samuel, as of yet, had not experienced God. The writer was letting us know Samuel's not knowing God yet was not the fault of Samuel. Certainly his age seemed to have worked in his favor. Some traditions say that he was about 12 years old at this time. We don't know. He may have even been younger. Did he even know about God? It became apparent Eli had taught him how to serve, but had failed to teach him whom he was serving. Well, let that be a lesson to you, preachers. Let it be a lesson to you, Sunday school teachers, Bible study teachers. This is not a manual. It's not about the how, but it's all about the who. You know the story. Third time, the Lord calls Samuel, goes to Eli for the third time. This time, Eli finally recognizes it must be the Lord calling. While we give Eli some credit for recognizing it was the Lord, did he tell Samuel what he needs to do next? We cannot help but think, but if Eli had been in fellowship with God, it wouldn't have taken three times for him to be able to realize that God was calling Samuel by name. Or, if he'd have been in right fellowship, perhaps he would have heard the voice of God as well. Eli tells him to go back to bed, and this time, if he calls, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. This phrase becomes one of the most significant parts of the chapter that we're really you know, reading, a willingness to hear from God and to follow Him. Do you think details are important in the Bible? I certainly think that they are. Notice verse 10, last verse that we read a moment ago when we read the key passage. It begins by saying, and the Lord came and stood. I think our sanctified imaginations would fail us to understand exactly what is taking place or how that even might look. The boy Samuel, and here God, comes and stands. The word Lord there is what we call his proper name, I guess. It'd be Yahweh. The one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. The one who spoke to Joshua and called himself the commander of the Lord's army. The creator of heaven and earth. Loves Samuel. He came and stood because he loved Samuel. And because he loves the God's people, the Hebrew people. And because he loves all people. So much so that he humbled himself to stand next to Samuel and deliver a message. Samuel, Samuel, he calls. And he calls him by name. Samuel says, speak for your servant hears. Now, notice he didn't use the word Lord there. Didn't call him by his proper name. Didn't call him Yahweh. He didn't know God. He didn't know God before now. But now, everything changes. This encounter can only be imagined in light of what Jesus did when he left the throne room of heaven to come and live amongst us and as one of us and give his life for us so that we may have real and eternal life. God's humility and his patience and his love is revealed and it's never changing, nor does his truth, nor does his holiness, nor does the fact that God calls you by name, which leads us to the message that God had for Samuel. It was a message for his boss. Eli the high priest. Let's read about that, verses 11 through 15. This is the message. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On the day 
On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. We read verse 13 already. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew. Because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Verse 14 there says, Therefore I swear to the house of Eli, iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel would be the new leader of Israel. In fact, he would be the new judge, last of the judges of Israel. He would also be priest and prophet. Eli and his two sons were to fall to God's judgment and wrath. Samuel would be the great example of one who chooses to follow the ways of God, would be used of God in dramatic and influential ways. Eli and his two sons chose to follow the ways of the world. It would lead to their destruction. Eli was afraid to reprimand his sons of the consequences of sins. We cannot be afraid to speak the truth. We must speak the truth, and we must speak it in love. We must be able to also say that whatever, whatever whoever has followed in their own way instead of God's way, that God has a plan and His way is always better. The psalmist said in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, it says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truths and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation for you, I wait all the day long. And then Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. We know this New Testament, one of Paul's more famous words, I guess. Don't, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God who is good, acceptable, and perfect. In fact, if you want to write that down as a reference, Romans 12, 2, it's kind of a summary here of the things that we're talking about. There's a hindrance and a help. The hindrance is this. Unconfessed sin and unrepentant sin will cause us to miss and not hear the voice of God. Following the ways of the world will cause us to not hear from God. The help is this. Daily confession and constant fellowship with Jesus. You're not going to be perfect. But as you seek the things of God, you'll need to daily confess and to seek constant fellowship. I heard recently about uh, not too long ago about 30 deer in the bottom of the Grand Canyon that the officials had to go down and shoot in the bottom of the Grand Canyon because they were starving to death put them out of their misery because they're starving and it wasn't because there wasn't enough vegetation there for them to be able to eat but it was because of all the tourists that had come and who had either fed them junk food or because of the trash that they left behind that they were digesting those things <clears throat> and because of it, they could no longer digest the good food that was out there. <clears throat> because of the Lord Jesus, there's plenty of information about who God is, and the voice of God has been revealed to us. But because of the sin in our life, because of the garbage that we picked up along our way, we are unable to digest the things of God until we do something about it. One, we've got to stay away from the garbage. The other, when the garbage gets in, we've got to be sure that we have confessed and we've turned that over to Him if you want to hear a word from God. Another contrast we have here is between obedience and disobedience. Obedience and disobedience. Obedience to God, it can get a little bit messy. Sometimes you're going to have to get your hands dirty because the Lord may ask you to do something that you may not have been prepared or ready to do or normally be involved in. 
That's uh, tough enough, perhaps, we think, maybe, to know the things we should not do. And often we think as long as we've checked the boxes of what not to do, those prohibitions that we have in the Bible, we think, well, we're good. We're doing, you know, pretty good. And God's maybe pretty pleased with us. But Samuel here is given a message. We also, the Lord wants to give us a message. Samuel was reluctant to give that message to Eli. Let's go ahead and read about the encounter that now the next morning that Eli has with Samuel, or Samuel has with Eli, verses 15 through 18. Verse 15 says, Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, here I am, as he'd said before. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him, and he said, Samuel, excuse me, Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli was a little bit of a mixed bag of right and wrong, wasn't he? I mean, previously we had read about Samuel's mother, Hannah, who was praying in the temple to have a son. And Eli sees the passionate prayer, thinks that, he's, that she's drunk. So far had they removed. He could not even recognize genuine prayer. But then when he recognizes her sincerity, he says to her, he says, well, the Lord has heard your prayer. When the Lord called Samuel, though it took three times to recognize him that it was from God, he finally told Samuel what it was that he needed to do when the Lord calls. And now the Lord spoke to Samuel, and though Samuel was reluctant, Eli, under the threat of a curse he gives, though, he encouraged Samuel to do the right thing and tell him the message. So what is it about Eli? His actions seem to be somewhat ambiguous. One minute he's doing the wrong thing, then he seems to try to do something right. This might describe some of us. As we think as long as we do more than right than wrong, then maybe God will be happy. Well, first know that our balance of right and wrong has nothing to do with deserving salvation. And second, unlike Eli, let you and I be clear We serve Jesus, the Almighty God and Savior, and want to please Him. Yes, we're still sinners saved by grace, but let us be resolute in our one supreme desire that everything that we do honors and glorifies His name. Is it unclear how the Lord feels about Eli, the high priest, or his sons, Hophni and Phinehas? It is not, and they will be destroyed. Can you understand how Samuel was reluctant and fearful to give this news to Eli? But he did it anyway. If, if the Lord is asking you to do something that takes a step of faith, if you're not uh, a little reluctant, if you're not anxious about it, or maybe even fearful, it may not be such a step of faith. But you can be sure that God is going to reveal Himself to you, or He already has, and He's going to ask you to take a step of faith that will require courage and require His help. The question will be, will you... Listen to God's voice. Will you follow God's voice in obedience? And that will determine whether God's going to continue to reveal more of Himself and His message to you and that you'll be able to know His plans. Here's a hindrance and a help. First of all, the hindrance. Fear of others instead of holy fear of God. To fear others more than you fear God or an unclear faith is part of that. If you and I are unsure if we're going to do what God tells us, 
We want to know God's will sometimes before we decide to follow. Of course, much if not most of God's will is found in God's Word. But God's personal will for you is not likely to be revealed to you until you decide that you will follow Him no matter what He wants you to do. So you don't want to be indecisive about obedience if you want to hear a word from God. Here's a help. Obedience is clear evidence that you trust God. You can say you trust God. We can sing about trusting God. But clear evidence to trusting God is to be obedient to His every word. You have, you've heard probably somebody say, preacher, you know, that uh, Christians are not sinless, but we are to sin less. Well, certainly we hope that that is true. But it is also true that the more you trust God, the less you will sin. Because our obedience is the way in which we show that, yeah, I believe God's way is the best way and I'm going to follow Him and not of the world. But also a determination even before information. Meaning, you're determined to do all He desires even before you know all that He's going to reveal. And He's going to reveal more of Himself. You're going to learn more through the study of His Word, through spending time with Him. You're going to learn more of His personal will for you as you grow in Christ. One of our verses this week, if you're following the 100 days of Psalms and Proverbs, Proverbs 29 and verse 25 says this, The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Again, details are important. Did, did you notice what Samuel did the very first thing when he got up that morning? After hearing the message of God, found in verse 15, we read it a moment ago. Samuel lay until morning, and then we did what? He opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Now, this may have been part of his job, may have been something that he did every single morning, but now things were different. Now he knew the Lord has a message, has a message from God. This would be the first of many messages that would influence a nation and put a king on the throne, and particularly King David, who would become an ancestor of Jesus. Now, you see what's happening here. Samuel's getting in on what God is doing in his preparation for the Messiah who was even to come. And so as we read and understand a word from God, we want to get in on what God's doing. See the contrast between open doors versus closed doors. If you want a, God's word to be common and to be known. When you're in a place where you can hear from God and follow Him, you open doors. You open doors to personally growing more and more to be like Him. Because you're listening, you're in the place where you can hear from God so you can have personal growth. When you open doors, you're in a place to where you can influence other believers, other church members, in order that they might be able to experience God even more. When you're in a place to where you can hear from God, you, are, you can open doors so that others who need to know Jesus as Savior and Lord can hear the good news. They'll be attracted. They'll be appointed. Or they'll be pointed to Jesus. These... These should be some of the greatest days in the world in which we're living of, the, of a great awakening to the hope that is only found in Jesus. Or it's determined. Who is it they're supposed to share? It's His church. It's you and me, believers in the Lord Jesus. It's His one and only way in which He wants to share the one and only message for the only one and way to know Jesus and to be able to go to heaven. So we want to be sure that we're at a place that we can hear from God so we might be able to open doors. Well, it makes it pretty important. Now, if you're not in a place spiritually where you can hear from God, or you've heard maybe and you're not willing to follow His instructions, you're closing doors to your own growth and participation with God. 
You're closing doors to participation of other church members and of God's fam- people of God's family to have influence on those and to those who need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Boy, listening to God might be pretty important. Did you notice Eli's response to God's message through Samuel? We read it in verse 18 just a moment ago. Eli, the high priest, after he hears the destruction, judgment that's coming, he says, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Does that seem odd to you? You, you remember the message that uh, Jonah, remember Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the big fish? He goes to the Ninevites, 40 days destruction, period. You're going to die. What happens? People repent. And the Lord does not destroy them, but He forgives them. So here's my question. Could Eli still have repented? Why even send the message to Samuel to give to Eli and his sons if there still could not have been repentance? Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, it says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up or break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Well, that's good news for our nation. But it's also true for every individual. It's not too late. There's hope for everyone who is far away, for everyone who needs Jesus as long as we're still breathing and until Christ returns. Now there will be a time that where it will be too late, speaking of speaking the truth in love. Here's a hindrance and a help. And the hindrance is this, closed doors by ungodly living. That's a hindrance, when doors are closed by ungodly living. If you proclaim Jesus as your Lord but are living in an ungodly manner, you're closing doors to hearing from God and joining Him in His good work. And the help is this. You will open doors with an all-out pursuit of Jesus. The fate of Eli and his sons will not be good. Matter of fact, here in a week or two, we're going to be talking about that very thing and about how the Spirit of the Lord had left them was no longer with them. But for Samuel, we've gone this far. Let's read the last couple of verses in this chapter. Verse 19, it says, And Samuel grew. Second time it talked about Samuel growing, and the Lord was with him, and that none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, everything that he said was true. People heeded his words. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, meaning from the north to the south, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh, By the word of the Lord, Samuel was listening. Samuel was ready to follow him because of that. God's word continued to come and continued to be messages and there continued to be growth and the Lord made himself known to God's people. Yeah, we want God to make himself known. We want to be ready and stand ready for that. You've got this in your notes. When you learn to listen and submit... You will find God's will and hear God's voice. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Lord's calling you by name. If you're here today in this place listening, live stream, 
you don't know Jesus, or you don't, you don't know, you're not sure. Well, today you can know the Lord's calling because He wants you to know for sure. He wants you to have Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. If you're far away from the Lord, you're not where you know that you should be. The Lord's calling you to draw you close. If you're seeking to serve Him, even today, speak, Lord. That's our attitude. For your servant hears. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to follow. The Lord wants you to continue to follow Him ever closer. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank You for today. We thank You for this Lord's Day that we can come into Your presence. We thank You that You've heard today our, our uh, praise. We know that You've heard our prayers. We know that You've heard the proclamation of Your Word. Now, Lord, help us to be here from You. Speak to us, even now. And Father, if there are those here who don't know You as Lord and Savior, may, we, may they hear They realize you're knocking on their heart's door today. May they open the door, let you in through prayer, asking Christ to forgive sin, asking Jesus to come in. If there are those far away, Lord, may now be the time in which they call upon you. We know that you're calling them close. May they move to you and be in an all-out pursuit. We pray, Father, that all of us might be in an all-out pursuit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's where the difference in this world is going to be. Thank you, Father, for continuing to be at work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?